Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Guess what, Loose Units listeners? We are coming to Adelaide. Yes, after our sold-out live performances in Melbourne and Sydney, we are doing Loose Units live in Adelaide. It's at the Rhino Room, 6.30pm on the 30th of November. Now, we'll be doing our live show, then a meet and greet afterwards, and we'll be selling copies of the book too. Tickets for Melbourne and Sydney sold out really, really fast, and lots of people missed out, so do not sleep on this, folks. Head to facebook.com forward slash loose units right now, or to adelaidecomedy.com and search for loose units to get your tickets to our first ever live show in Adelaide. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven, sitting across from me, hands folded, very demurely, is uh, my ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. <clears throat> I'm glad you said ex-cop and not ex-dad. Oh, no. Well, I mean, we'd have to go through a, you know, what's that, that film? What was that film where the kid divorced his parents? Don't know. You don't know? Don't care. All right. All right. Calm down. Well, look, um, well, <laughs> the reason dad and I are um, sounding a little odd is because on the way to the studio today, we walked through what appeared to be an active crime scene. So we'd just gotten out at Parliament Station in Melbourne, and we were walking along Parliament Place. And the left-hand side of the road is a massive kind of, um, there's a big like wrought iron fence behind which there's some sort of barracks or something. And we saw, we counted between 11 and 12 police officers. Um, Dad, would you describe the scene? Well, it was pretty full on. They had um, some pretty serious armed police. They had two or three ambulances. Uh, it was weird. I was like, I mean, if that had been in Sydney, you they would have cordoned off the area. But we just kind of walked through. I think perhaps because everyone was still, they were they were just sort of trying to figure out what what had been happening. But we walked past, and there were like, and we're talking. Actually, I think there were more like fifteen police, yeah, heavily armed, mm. all wearing uh, all their, you know, all the good stuff, and then 
we walked past this ambulance where there were lots of police and paramedics and we looked into the ambulance and there, lying on his stomach, yeah. on a stretcher, was a, a large male person that I would describe as probably about 50. You think so? Yeah. I thought he was more like, I would, I would have said 40s, he was wearing like a patterned shirt. But 40s, that could be 49 and that's a year off 50. Fucking, you're a pedant. Yep. So, anyway, the weird thing was that no one even looked at us. We've walked straight through and passed and had a good geek in the back of the ambulance. And yeah. there's clearly someone in there that's done something pretty bad. You you said he may have been shot. I thought he'd been shot. And uh, and then, of course, a few minutes later, you and I, uh, we'd, we'd sort of walked several hundred metres past the scene. Yep. And uh, lo and behold, an ambulance, that same ambulance, drives past past us with a uh, full-blown police escort. Now, there's a story. Now, here's what I'd like to do for the listeners. This is the first time that... I believe it's the first time that two hosts of a true crime podcast, one of whom was a cop, have actually been involved in a crime. Technically speaking, we walked into a crime scene. Mm. So what I'd like to do now is just very quickly, or not quickly, let's try and figure out what happened. So uh, the time was about... What was it, about 9.30? Yep. 9.30 a.m., and as we walk past... Okay, first of all, you're missing the fact that there were two ambulances. Mm. One was at the front of the site. One was right at the back. The back one was the one that was open. But they would only have two ambulances if there were two victims, right? Um, no, because um, the first responder may have been an ambulance, yep. but no paramedics on board. But there were paramedics on the first one. There was a paramedic hunched on all fours uh, closing the door. Mm. But he may have come from the second ambulance. Not all ambulances have paramedics on board. No, but I'm saying, is it not plausible that two people were involved in a very serious altercation? One was in the first ambulance, one was in the back. Mm, yeah, possible. Also, as we walk past the second ambulance, one of the officers... Again, I cannot stress enough, Dad's pointed it out, how weird it is that nobody stopped us. Mm. Don't get me wrong, we weren't actually trying to plough through. But as we approached the footpath, I said we should cross. And you said, nah, it's all right. And you just sort of led us through. Mm. Do you think maybe you gave off the air of someone who belonged in that area? Maybe, maybe. Maybe I thought I was the uh, the gunman on the grassy knoll. Yeah, but they wouldn't let the gunman... The gunman was hiding. Yeah, but they didn't know he was the gunman. Do you think there was a third gunman? Maybe. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so we walked through and uh, the cop, there was a cop at, at the second ambulance who was taking notes and was relaying information to another police officer. Mm. And that police officer stated the street in which the victim in the second ambulance lived. And the street in which the, sec the victim lived, um, I'm, I'm trying to find a delicate way to say this, it's the same street that someone I know grew up in, um, in... Dandenong. Amazing. Now, like the exact same street. Mm. So I called that person and said, hey, this is where you this is where you grew up. And they freaked out a little bit. It's not that I thought they would go, oh, it's obviously Derek from down the street. Um, by the way, I had to grasp at a fake name. And I, I can't, you I just went, happened to use the name of the guy that owns this studio. Derek. Poor Derek. We record this from Castaway Studios in Melbourne. Mm. So I guess I'm sitting here and, okay, so one of the appeals of true crime podcasts, Dad, and one of the things that many listeners to these shows enjoy is trying to be armchair detectives. Mm. And we've just walked through this crime scene and we've got a few facts and suddenly my brain starts kicking into gear and I'm like, how do we solve this? How do we figure out what's happened? Well, one of the things about that particular incident, it was obviously a major incident, mm. is that uh, one of the things I, once we'd walked through, I sort of turned around and looked back, is that there were no media, yes. which actually... 
doesn't really mean anything. The media that do not get to hear about everything. Yeah. And um, you know, there may have been a blanket on. It could have been an operation. Right. Uh, look, it's just look something. Something has gone down. Of course, I then have been looking at the the news, uh, sort of just in stories, and there's nothing about it, which is quite possible, quite feasible. Sure, 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 sure. I just think it's interesting that you have 13 to 15 police officers mm. for what... I mean, is could that be, weird? It could have been a robbery. He could be a, uh, an escapee, a known offender. Uh, look, there's a, a plethora of things, of possibilities. Based on what you saw, could you uh, do some rampant speculation for us? Could you do what most true crime podcast listeners do when they don't, when they hear bits and pieces of facts? Um, look, it could have been an escapee. Really? Yeah. Yep. It could have been... That's what I think. Okay, it could have been a prison. And he's he's resisted arrest. Right, and they've... And he's been injured mm, probably fairly badly. Okay. It's very unusual, might I say. It's extremely... I've never in my entire career ever seen someone in the back of an ambulance being tended to by paramedics lying on their stomach. Why? What? What possible reasons could there be for them? Means they can't be on their back, so there could be some back trauma. Stabbed, shot, something like that. No idea, mate. He wasn't moving. No. He had his face facing us. So you know when you're lying, he was lying face down. Sorry, he was lying on his stomach, uh, face uh, facing outwards. Mm. We don't know whether he was alive or not. He wasn't moving. No. And they weren't. And another thing I suggested was that if there's no sirens, that suggests a lack of urgency. True. Which would imply that potentially... Look, he... Well, no, he must be alive because they had a... Oh, no, not necessarily. Um, because they could just be giving them an escort to convey the body to the morgue. Where you need that. Remember how I've discussed continuity of evidence? Yep, yep. So, you know, that person in the back of that ambulance, um, alive or dead, if they're going to the morgue, they need to be... Uh, they need to be police in the presence of the body for the entire uh, duration until post-mortem mm. so that there's been no tampering... But I think we're we're really, perhaps, speculating. No, no, I understand. Um, I guess I'm just trying to make sense of what I saw. Mm. But having that many police, that's a, that that number of police is extreme for one person. That's very strange. Mm. That's but very strange. something may come to light. Okay. In time. Okay, so I've checked the news. Apparently, there's been a litany of really serious accidents uh, at Parliament Station, as in people slipping and falling during rush hour. If someone slipped and fell. You don't need 13 cops. No. So I think we can rule that out. But Mm. um, I think what we're going to do is if anybody has, you know, any information or if anybody, you know, listening to the show from Melbourne has any more insights into what we just saw. Because, okay, we've talked about this before on the show, Dad. I've tried to ascertain from you what it's like seeing uh, a dead body Mm. for the first time. Mm. There's content in the book that goes in in depth into what it was like for you uh, to see a dead body for the first time I've never seen one so I guess the reason I'm kind of circling this so acutely is because I want to find out whether that's what I just saw Mm. based on the person you saw in the ambulance what are the odds do you think Um, probably 50-50 okay that's an each way bet isn't it yeah Mm. yeah okay well uh, we will check in with this I guess for lack of a better term, case later in the series, potentially, if anybody has any more news for us. Mm. Um, but Dad, uh, what did you want to talk about today? We've got lots and lots of... I've got a huge list here of very, very strange prompts that you've given me. I mean, one of the weird things about this walk 
is that I turned to you as we were kind of heading down Smith Street and I I think I looked into a shop where there was like some locksmith stuff going on. Yeah. Like, yeah and, and I basically said, because, okay, so we are both big self-professed fans of the show Elementary. And in Elementary, um, Sherlock Holmes, as played by, why am I struggling with his name? Johnny Lee Miller, amazing actor. Um, he plays Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock in the series has a hobby. He likes um, picking locks. Yes. He has this kind of grill with like hundreds of different locks from different countries and he will practice. He will lock them and then unlock them and practice on those things. And because I'm an author and a journalist, sometimes I struggle with the fact that um, I don't have any practical skills and lock picking seems like a very practical skill. And you turned to me flippantly and said the following. That I used to, uh, well, that I was bloody good at picking locks. Why is that? Because I worked for a safe company. When? Called the Lord Safe Company. Right. Um, for a year. Prior to, pretty well prior to joining the New South Wales Police Force, where I learnt the the art of picking locks, which I'll tell you what is, it's a, it's great. How do you pick a, how do you pick a lock? For you those... need, generally speaking, look, I've been able to, I used to practice, I, you know, I used to get padlocks, all different, I used to go and buy padlocks, mm. and I'd sit there with my special little levers yep. generally you use two so you use one to tension so you hold the lock in your, in your hand in my case my right hand mm-hmm. and then you insert a tensioning like a that creates tension and then you drop this little like a tiny little thing down and you run it up and down the little the little barrels that are all spring loaded and the tension creates this sense because if you have a look at the profile of a key mm. um, it's sort of peaks and troughs yes now, say when you press a key into um, a standard padlock, um, it finds all the different levels, all those little spring-loaded tumblers. They kind of find the highs and lows, and once they're all in the right position, you then turn and it opens. But then imagine if you don't have a key. So you put this little lever in, which is down the bottom, and you kind of create some tension, which is which is simulating the turning. Yep. But then you start to rattle this kind of weird little sort of spiky thing up and down up and down really really fast back and forth back and forth and then all of a sudden you know sometimes within seconds if not within minutes it's sort of a mathematical thing that's happening really really quickly yeah and then kapow out she pops so i learned how to do that now that particular uh, should we say skill i mean you're not allowed to walk around the street with with picks obviously and master locksmiths they go one better they've got sort of a like a like a little gun and it can either be battery operated I've or... I've seen it. We had someone... We, our apartment, we were locked out yeah, once. it's like a gun with a lever and they yeah. with a trigger. And they pop it in and they just sort of start pumping it and then kapow. It's it's incredible. But if you get caught with that, if you're a bad person, <laughs> no, you're fucked basically. Because I had this locksmith and uh, I asked... I said, did you study for this? And he goes, no, I just bought the kit and just sort of started well, the business. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. That's dodgy, right? Well, yes and no. No, it but, is. Um, look, it's, a, it's an art... Uh, there are t- uh, locks. I actually watch documentaries on YouTube even today right. to see how... Because I love puzzles. Yes. I mean, my life's one fucking puzzle. Damn straight. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. And um, so, yeah, that's that's another story. But um, so when I was in the police force, uh, some of the detectives, if they were doing like a raid, uh, they'd use my skills because sometimes you've got what are called spooks. And in fact, a good friend of mine in the police force that uh, unfortunately committed suicide. That's a bit of a bugger. He actually he was a really, really, he was a lovely guy, really sweet guy. But he was a member of uh, like a, a sort of a secret squad that yeah. we used to call the spooks. And the CIA, KGB, MI5, all the great, you know, Mossad, they all have spooks. And spooks' job is to, they work in a team and their objective is to get into places and plant listening devices mm. and cameras without the people knowing that they've been in. So you can imagine how stressful, like really stressful. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things they've got to be able to do is gain access. And occasionally uh, I was called upon when I was a young policeman to help squads and, and some of these heavy duty uh, groups within, like covert groups within the police force. I'd get a call when I was in general duties at North Sydney and uh, I'd get picked up, and I'd be taken to a location, and I was used to uh, to gain uh, entry into certain premises. You didn't know that, did you? But also, uh, there, there are telltale signs that if you're a locksmith now, yeah. mm, probably sh- I might not say this next thing. But no, let, let me. No, I'm not going to say it. But I'm just going to say that I can tell, and, and a good locksmith can tell just by looking at a lock. At least used to be able to. Um, you could tell whether or not the lock had been manipulated. Can you believe it? And you could tell? Yeah. What? What? How do you know? Well, I said I wouldn't tell you. You need to tell me. Okay, I will. Um, when you're doing all that fancy sort of in and out, in and out, not the, the in and out you're thinking of. No, I'm thinking of locks. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, with this rapid sort of firing in and out, I'm sorry for saying in and out all the time. <laughs> No, but what happens is you because the in, the inside of locks are primarily brass, yeah, uh, which is a beautiful material, but it's soft. That wears down, right? Isn't it weird we're talking about in and out now? We've in, injected the word soft into it. Well, you uh, need to. But then the thing is, Paul, that the powder, like the fine shavings, the filings of brass, they tend to sort of come out and they sort of fall down a little bit, and they they like a, a residue, and and so when you first oh fuck, so basically. Um, <laughs> So basically, there are, um, there are young people who listen to this show. Mm, yeah, well, they should know better. God knows why. Um, so yeah, so and what I used to do, I used to run my thumb yep. over the face of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to ru- I used to rub my thumb over the face of the lock, and I could tell by any brass filings right. on my finger that 
it had been manipulated. Is that pretty quite amazing, a, isn't it? That's quite a common. Like, like, how often would you get to oh, a lock and see that it had been used? Oh, look, that was just my own anecdotal, anecdotal. Okay. Sort of, you know. All right. So, um, could you tell us about a time that you were actually like a specific instance in which you were called? No, there were by numerous the... incidents. No, I'm saying but tell us about one. No, no, because I never ever got to. Hey, listen, I get called in to open a door and then told to fuck off. That's it. I'm not going to be involved in any way, shape, or form in what they're going in there to do. That's none of my business, and I certainly. They're working at a level that is way out of my pay pay scale. Oh, I understand. I understand. But I'm saying, like, could you talk us through what it was like on that a specific... fucking scary. On a specific incident. Yeah, like nighttime generally, or sometimes day, and you just... I'd get picked up because the word got out, all the Ds knew, that I could um, manipulate locks because it's handy. Yeah. Because police are always... Or we used to carry this tape. Have I ever told you about packing tape? We used to carry it in our old-fashioned police hats. No. No. Yeah, it was one of the great sort of tricks of the trade, so to speak, because we were invariably uh, people come up and say, look, we've locked our car, and we used to help people all the time break into cars. So we used to carry this amazing tape in our hats. It's pa- a packing tape? Packing tape, like that hard, flexible, sort of amazing fiberglass tape, and we used to carry like about a metre of it ra- coiled up in our police hats, and... Um, you know, you could break into cars incredibly easy. It was so easy. How I mean, have you ever watched people in the road service break into cars? I mean, no. it's getting really difficult these days. How, how would you break into a car? Using well, you'd use tape? okay. You'd you'd use like a metal lever to pry the door open just slightly. You'd slide the tape in and you'd hook it around the pin. You know how in the olden days. Oh, the, days, the, the, the kind of pin that pulls the, pin the that you'd lift the pin up. to sort of, and you'd kind of get the tape around this pin and you'd just tighten it and just sort of slide both sides of the tape up the sort of where the door opening was and you'd pop the pin yeah so that look you know anyway that's so police were always being asked to sort of help people break into things and the fact that i could manipulate locks and enter premises with my little so i used to carry these they were like a part of my equipment that's very interesting yeah okay any time during cases uh in general duties where you actually had to break into yeah yeah, yeah. Things? many times we when we had uh you know, someone hadn't been heard of or seen for a while. Yeah. We had to get, uh, gain access because invariably in the police force, we would always end up, because you didn't kick doors in. like And, you know, generally speaking, if it was precarious, you'd call the fire brigade and we'd gain access through a window that may have been left ajar. Mm. And that was generally, and they'd help out and then sort of they'd, they didn't actually climb the ladders. They'd get us to climb the ladder, but, you know, so we'd go up because they, because it could be a crime scene, of course. So you don't want the fiery sort of, Walking around with their their big boots. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you would. All right. Because so, when when be, when you say the apartment's closed, I assume. I mean, did you ever do anything where you didn't have a warrant? Where you just sort of. Snuck oh yeah. In? Oh well. Mm, I don't know. I never saw the warrants. <laughs> what do you mean you never saw the warrants? Well, that's not my job, Paul. That's the detectives and so, people involved in those special places. I mean, obviously, you'd you'd assume at least in look. I think some of these groups in society that do that sort of work, you know, the spooks, I'm quite mm. sure that some of them work um, uh, beyond the law. But I think the police generally would get a warrant through a magistrate or a judge. Okay. Uh, with And they'd have to sort of show evidence as to, you know, why they need to go in and bug the place. Gotcha. But yeah, bugging's been around for a long, long time. Have you ever... Did you ever get tempted when working with these spooks to kind of ask more... Ask for more details. Find out what you were actually they would, helping they, with. They would not say anything to you. But I'm saying, did you try? No. Really? No, futile. But when I was um, around about 17, yep. 
maybe 16, 17, and I used to hang out at the cross a bit, um, which I mentioned, I think. Yes, you have. And um, bugs have always fascinated me. And there was actually a shop in Sydney at the cross that used to sell bugs. And uh, I went in and bought a bug once, and I tested it. And you could put it inside anyone's house, then you could go outside and listen to um, to uh, what was happening inside the house from your car, from your car radio. That's crazy. Mm. Did you ever have a police scanner? Uh, no. Tow truck drivers did. Of course. That's they why had... they were always at the scene first. Right. Okay. Mixed blessing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, that episode went some strange places. Uh, I did a shout-out on Twitter during the episode to see if anyone had any more information on the crime uh, in the city. Uh, no one's responded yet, which is irritating, frankly. I, <laughs> Dad and I don't really sit here and speculate about crimes. Uh, I know that's something that true crime listeners like doing. The one time Dad speculated about this stuff and weighed in is when we watched The Staircase on Netflix Mm. Excellent true crime series. Mm. I've watched it three times now. And Dad, just for the listeners, do you think he did it? I... Fuck. Well, for those people that have seen it, I've watched it three times. It's... it's, Yeah, it's intense. Um, Look... I've seen the uh, the photographs of the uh, once they peeled back her skin that protects her skull. Mm. I've seen the lacerations, but look, he he seemed to love his wife. Uh, you know the I mean to the untrained observer, the blood and the injuries seem excessive. However, um, what we should get to do is perhaps have at least another half dozen uh, photographs and cases of people that have fallen downstairs mm. and get to have a look at the, uh, you know, shave the head, firstly look at the, um, you know, the lacerations. Yeah. And make some, and, and, and do some comparative work, which I know they've done, but, you know, the the, the idea that there was blood everywhere, that that's not relevant. Uh, because who here has not cut a finger and it's bled from our solder breakfast. I mean, it's it's it, it's inc- blood is amazing and it just keeps coming out. Um, <laughs> I mean, why are you laughing? Let's picture you in the witness stand. Uh, and <laughs> look, blood is amazing and it just keeps coming out. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair call. No, and and look, one of the guys, uh, the 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 Asian uh, blood expert, who I think was fantastic. Mm. He uh, was saying because he demonstrated that if she was having a fit and, and, and she was fl- moving her head around, there was blood on her hair. Yeah. And as she flicked and, and look, she was, look, it's a, I wasn't there. Mm. Um, but it's it's a surreal mm. scene. I mean, God, but do I think he did it? Look, I'm erring on... Uh, but then, of course, there's the weird thing about his wife <clears throat> in Germany. They exhumed and she'd also fallen down the stairs. Yeah. How's that? But I'm saying but, that... But, you know, it's possible. Yeah. It Look... Oh, God. Because people... One of the things people really love about true crime podcasts, and one of the themes of this episode after we walked through that crime scene and tried to figure it out together, is that people love trying to be armchair detectives. Mm. Now, I've got someone sitting in front of me who is an actual cop, so what I'm saying is, what do you think... <laughs> what do you think of the staircase? Do you think he actually... Um, do you think he did it? Look, I, I do I, I do err yeah. <clears throat> on the on the side of him doing it, but okay. only slightly. Gotcha. If I was to, to break it down into a percentage, 
you know, I might say 52% yes, 48 no. Jeez. That's really close. Yeah, and you can't convict on that. And really. also his kids, they love him, and uh, except for one one, 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 one of the kids, yeah. one daughter. But yeah. look, you know, they paint, paint their relationship as, as something really good. And uh, and the fact of the matter is that weird weird things happen in life. Yep. You know? Yep. And I, I always, my default position, and it's it's going to sound a little bit, um, well, obvious, but I think the default position, this is what I say to myself, is that, look, I, I actually just wasn't there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, the jury's out, but... But he, he he seems like a oh look it's weird I mean I've an, I've analysed just last week I analysed his his nine one one call did you hmm yeah I listened to it a few times I've always felt slightly uneasy with his uh, the way he talks it it sounded to me a little bit perhaps contrived but you know he's in shock sure I mean I defy anyone I, I you know you remember that story when I was. Um, First on the scene for the lady under the train, mm. one of the most incredible stories ever. In the book, yeah. In the book. And um, I remember I had to get on the police radio and describe and get back up. And it was a huge product. It was a massive production. Yeah. We had to shut down effectively the railway system mm. for the whole north of Sydney. And, um, you know, I'd been under the train with that particular lady who was still alive. And... Um, when I got back to the police car on my offside, I was looking at me going, what the fuck's wrong? Like, he, I must have looked pretty crook. Mm. And I remember grabbing the mic, um, the old Motorola handset, and I was trying to convey to VKG what, what I'd just seen, and it was really, really difficult. So, you know, if we were to play that back, that original recording of me trying to enunciate a particular scene that I'd seen mm. and, and, and sort of calling in all the services that I required, which were, you know, it was a multi-service job, um, you know, it, I think I would have sounded pretty fucked. And people might years later go, well, you know, was was he in shock? Was he was he callous? Did he know what he was doing? Whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, so. Gotcha. Okay. Well, basically... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, people love to hypothesize. Yeah. By golly, so do I. Yeah, and we've been doing it all episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it. I mean, um, like, who knows what happened to that guy in the, in the ambulance this morning? Yeah. But, I mean, literally anything. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the nature of that's human nature to want to kind of figure things out. Mm. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. So, mm. and I think the public also need to realize, and I've said this a few times, is that we do not get to hear everything that happens in a twenty-four hour cycle in a city. Mm. There's a lot of stuff that goes down that we will never hear about the police ultimately decide what what the media are going to hear unless it's a major event where it's live it's yep. happening it's rolling uh, like that terrible the lint cafe siege which was a shit fight in sydney yeah yeah but that's another story yeah well look thank you so much for listening to another very strange episode of loose units season two electric blue uh, we hope you've enjoyed it and we hope you've had a chance to grab loose units the book uh, Loose Units, the book, is in bookstores. Uh, you can get it online on Amazon, Dimmix. You can grab it at Booktopia, I believe. I believe it's on sale at Booktopia. So make sure you head along and grab a copy. Christmas is approaching, so do make sure you get a copy. And we will see you next week for more Loose Units. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.